Ladies and gentlemen, I'm putting on my radio announcer voice. Next, I will be doing my Elvis impersonation. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the aging presentation, often also called uh, <laughs> Navigating the Speed Bumps on the Journey to Recovery. My name is Rick. I am, a, I'm not Elvis, I'm Rick. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I will be the moderator this afternoon. Let's begin with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we would kindly ask that all cell phones or other really cool electronic devices be turned off. And even if you think it's off, and I'm reading it, it says, please check again. As always, the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or OA as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of OA only. And we also ask that to protect our anonymity, there will be no photography, audio, or visual recordings allowed. Although, as you know, all of these presentations are being recorded, and you can purchase a, a DVD for the whole weekend if you want to. Uh, if, if there is any press in the room, movie stars, actors, actresses, Please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. And lastly, as I just said, the audio recordings for the workshop can be purchased outside in the foyer. Okay, this workshop will have three speakers. And we also have, with any luck, an ask it basket, which is down there on the floor. And as you all know, we're going to pass this around. Uh, two or three times over the next uh, 45 minutes. And uh, anything that you would like our presenters to speak to, uh, write it down and they'll have a chance to address it. And now, oh yeah, and we, we are asked um, to start with a uh, selected reading, a selected reading in this case, the reading that we've selected is from for today. And I'm just going to bring this up here in one second. And the reading, this is from May 26. The lust for comfort, that stealthy thing that enters the house as a guest, then becomes a host and then becomes a master. Comfort is my middle name until its obsessive pursuit turned it against me. Face to face with my distorted ideas, I decided to give up the immediate comfort of overeating for the long-range comfort of feeling good about myself. 
I do not have to be a slave to anything. It is possible to find my security and comfort from within. And I love that. Security and comfort from within. Aware of the temptation to escape into the elusive comfort of my old habits, I use everything this program gives me to stay in reality. The rewards of allowing myself to feel all my feelings, the uncomfortable as well as the comfortable, far surpasses what I once thought of comfort as comfort. So for today, the brief moments of comfort I got from eating unnecessary food made my life miserable. OA shows me a way to be comfortable within myself. And so as I said earlier, we're going to have three speakers. And our first speaker is Maggie. And if you could come up here, Maggie, and, and unfortunately, or maybe not, uh, do you want me to hold the microphone for you? We don't, we don't, have, no, we don't have nothing. Okay, try. <laughs> so I could, I could, if, would that be helpful if I held the Sure, microphone? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get confused easily. <laughs> okay. Okay, hi, everybody. Pardon me? It won't pick up the audio. It has, it has to be the close. The audio guy already came and said, yeah. you've got to speak right into Yeah, it has to be, be close, recorded. yeah. It's all right. <laughs> we'll be all right. Um, okay, a moment of silence and a deep breath. Okay, my name is Maggie Smith. I am not a famous movie actress. <laughs> I am an ordinary person, a compulsive overeater, and I'm really thrilled to be here. So uh, I will qualify uh, for my membership in here. I put off coming into these rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for four four decades of overeating. (laughs) So when I walked in the door of uh, OA, I was 67 years old. I have been abstinent for, um, well, I I came in 15 years ago this um, August. So I'm going to celebrate a 15-year entry into the OA program. And I've been abstinent for a little less than that. I'm maintaining 35 to 40-pound weight release. And I'm healthy, and I am so grateful. And I'm looking forward to hearing you know, everything everybody else has to share, too, whether it's in the form of a question or whatever, because we're all learning here how to get older, because I haven't done that before. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to start. I, the other day I was doing my reading in For Today. I love For Today. And I found something that expressed my feelings about being a member of OA, as coming in as late as I did. So let me just read that, and then I'll get started. And then I'm going to really try and focus on the aging part. Okay, the fact that I'm here at all is a blessing. Doesn't that fit for aging? (laughs) Yeah. Would I have chosen not to be born? That's the alternative. The fact that I no longer have to compulsively overeat is a supreme blessing. Indeed. Continuing the way I was going, I might not still be around today. How true that is. Uh, That makes each day a gift. The habit of complaining, of wishing things were different, is nothing more than a way of ensuring depression and misery. I've learned that in here. As I expose this and other destructive habits to the 12-step program, asking God to remove them, I can allow myself to be happy, no matter how old I am. (laughs) I am coming to realize that it is not life 
that owes me something. It is I who owe something to life. I love that. It's very encouraging to me. (laughs) So what held me back all these years from coming here was, well, first of all, I was in what readied me for coming here was being in another 12-step program for 20 years, and so I was very familiar with the 12 steps. But alongside of that, I had another part of my mind that was really in denial about my eating and my food because I had been yo-yoing for 40 years, like up and down, up and down. I cannot believe, I, I have never add, tried to add up the amount of money I spent going to programs. And all the crazy things that I did, all the crazy types of strange, weird, out there kind of diets, and they usually worked. And then I'd gain them all back again and say, you know that, you know the story, we've all been there. But I never added that up to be something in my other recovery that was something I really needed to pay attention to, such is the power of denial. So um, when I came in here, I came in here because I wanted spiritual growth. And I knew somebody in, in, my, in my other program that had been exposed to the OA program and had told me about what a big breakthrough that was for her. And that's all I needed. I just was curious. What, was I resistant? Yeah, I thought a lot of stuff was crazy to tell me not to eat sugar, to tell me nothing in between. <laughs> tell me I couldn't have white stuff. It's like, I was like oh, I must, this is crazy. But I'm doing it. I was at least willing. And that was, that was the gift. So I think we all come in here when we're ready, and there is no good, better, or worse about it. Um, Okay, um, let's see. My false beliefs about age. Well, let me just say, my false beliefs about coming in here also to how was that I really believed that if I followed one 12-step program, that would be one fits for everything that's driving me crazy or making me crazy. So, But that isn't true. I came to find out that wasn't true. And I had false beliefs about aging also. Um, I, I believe that aging was kind of a process of kind of fading to, in into some kind of irrelevance in the world and inconsequentiality <laughs> as a person. And, uh, and I was gradually learning through trying to live by the 12 steps that why did I started questioning that. Why did that have to be true? And I've certainly found in, in OA that that is not true. Uh, there are limits to aging. I'm living with them. I'll be 82 in September. So, um, but, you know, we make the best out of what we have, and this is what our program is teaching us. And thank God for that. Um, I also believe that aging was fraught with loss and pain. That's my old drama queen mindset. So, okay, so gradually I started questioning that. Is that all there is to life, loss and pain? So, but there are some payoffs. There's a lot of payoffs. I wrote down some of them here because I have short-term memory loss, and I don't want to forget. Uh, Okay, there are compensating positives, and this is what I wrote down. I worry less. But I don't think I would be worrying less if I didn't have this 12-step program. Then I have more wisdom. Well, what does that mean? That means maybe I learned a few things through making mistakes I've made in my life, and then I can forgive myself. Um, There's more spirituality, because I'm realizing there has to be... I, I don't identify so much with my body, although it's a gift, and I need it to traverse my way through life, so I have to take care of it. So it's like I would take care of my house, or I would take care of my pet, or I would take care of my children. I have to take care of this body, but I don't identify with it so much. 
I'm, I'm more identified with just kind of part of all of life and being willing to do my best and make my best contribution and not be so worried about what other people think. So I guess maybe that's the wisdom. And, and the spirituality, too. And there's more humor for me. I can laugh at things. I can laugh at myself. I mean, we do really stupid things. I still do in recovery. And, but I've learned to kind of like laugh at the absurdity, of it, I guess. I and mean, I think we reach a point where we can laugh at it. We can let go of stuff. Uh, and that there's more love there and more compassion. And part of that is having compassion for myself. I live, I, the spirit who I am, live in this aging body. So I have to have compassion for it. I have to care about it. I have to do my best to take care of it. And I also have gratitude because I've been given a program that kind of like shows me the way. Um, Okay, the other thing I had, I think it was an obstacle about aging, was that every single woman, well, there were maybe a couple of exceptions, but I had these great aunts who I remember from my childhood, my mother and my, both my grandmothers, who as they got into their 60s then, were really overweight. So I just thought, oh, well, you know, that's what happens when you get 60 and on, you get overweight, so, and all the stuff that comes with it, and that there was nothing I could do about it. Well, that's really not true, and I, I, I'm kind of shocked to find that out, because it really does go against this deep belief. So... Um, the other thing, here's attitude changes that have made all the difference for me in aging. And these attitude changes have come from practicing the, all, all the, the steps and uh, the traditions and, uh, of this program. One, one is accepting reality. So more and more I'm learning each day. So I'm still learning. We can always learn. <laughs> uh, I have to accept reality. There is stuff that just is, and there isn't anything I can do about it. So one of those things is that I will age. I am aging. I will continue to age. <laughs> Another one is that there will be losses. Um, and there will be losses on many different levels. Uh, but there are gains also. And the gains I refer to as like the, the wisdom, a deeper spirituality. Um, and, then I, and I'm also learning that I am here now. And it's a privilege to be here now. And the more, and I think our program really helps us with that, helps us to pay attention to what's happening right now in this moment. And the more I can do that, I can then then it's I feel like it's a privilege to be here. And I don't think about my age or what's going to happen next. Or what's going to happen when I really get old, like ninety five? I don't know. So it's like, so I just don't go there. I bring myself back to the moment, and I think, what's happening right now? What can I do right now? And it's a, it really is a gift. Um, the other thing I'm accepting in reality, these are good parts of reality. I'm not, a, I'm not alone. Look around this room. So we're all aging. I was aging the day I was born. But I think when you get to be a certain age, you really are aging. <laughs> so it's kind of like, so, um, okay. Let's see what else I wrote down here. Let's see. Okay, another gift, a gift that's come, come through changed attitudes that helps me through the aging process is I notice a lot of interesting, fun, and funny things. Here's an example. I go for walks in the morning. I, walk, I, I live kind of near our downtown, and I walk downtown. I notice all the little changes in the window and whose who's store is going out of business and whose isn't. I think it's so much fun. Thank you. And uh, I notice all the little dogs and the variety of dogs and which ones I really like. 
And uh, I just notice people and all the goofy or non-goofy things they're doing. And, and I have fun. I, so I'm just enjoying those little things. It doesn't need to be a big, splashy, expensive, costly thing. And it comes from being more in the present. Also, I'm in touch, as I'm more in the present, I'm in touch with my intuition, creative solutions. You should see me. I still work. I go to work. I'm a therapist. So I, I, I go to work, and I, live in another, I work in another town than where I live, so there's a commute. And uh, so I have to really pay attention, to try and pay very good attention when I drive, but it's also the traffic is terrible. So I learned very creatively all the little shortcuts and the things that get me there sooner and what's safer, how much time I have to allow so I can stop on the side of the road and have lunch if I have a 12 o'clock client, so I have enough time to have lunch. So all these creative solutions just kind of come to me because my head isn't full of living in the past or the present, and that's the gift of following this program. Also, I've figured out, uh, kind of on my own, all kinds of like tricky, fun, little, even sometimes delightful ways to change my menu around, my food around, something to add in. I found a great spice store in one of the towns I work here, and I go visit that once in a while, and I try out different spices and things. So I make my food interesting. So it isn't, oh, well, I'm just doing without, you know. I make it positive. And, and our program has taught me to do that. Also, I feel I'm able, because I'm more present, to feel gratitude for small things. Small things. I might get to work and uh, somebody that works in my building might come out and smile at me and act like they're happy to see me. <laughs> so, and I'm grateful for it. Um, or I see just funny little things. I'll even see it with clients that we can laugh about. It's just life. Um, or there are, little, there are little surprises that I can be grateful for. So um, just nice little, like, you know, it's like nice, like I come to work and the parking situation on my street's horrible, too, because everybody's been going crazy with it. So I find a parking place, and I'm like, thank you, God. Yeah, yeah. But I say thank you, God, a lot during my day, and it keeps my spirits up and helps me look for what is right, not what's wrong. So... Um, the other thing, the other gift of the program that's helped me with, um, with the aging thing is compassionate. Like, as I become more compassionate about myself, I can acknowledge my character defects, mistakes I've made, stupidities I've created. <laughs> and if I can correct myself and right the wrongs to the best of my ability and still love myself through it, that's, that's, that's self-compassion. And if I can do that, then it's easier to have compassion for other people. I don't expect them to be perfect. Certainly improve my marriage. I've been married 61 years this June, so it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> my husband's a recovering from addiction. Also, so um, it's like we just recover together, and we, we learn to focus on ourselves. <laughs> you know? And, and, and uh, I'm, we wouldn't be doing that if we hadn't been exposed to 12-step programs. That's, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, also, another thing that the program has taught me that helps me with aging, I know I always have choices. Um, now, I practice living by the serenity prayer. So I come up against something that I think is going to drive me nuts, and I ask myself, is there anything I can do to change that right now? It's either no, yes. If it's no, then, then I just go, okay, God. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just keep going and accept it for now. And then if you have an idea for what I might do later, you can let me know. <laughs> you know? 
and, um, and then just try and face it to the best of my ability. But I never would have thought that way without having 12-step exposure. So um, also, um, I, I focus on, I have, as you can see from what I've shared, I have do, I, my mission is to focus on the positive in my life. And um, just having this program to come to, I know I'm not alone. You know, oh, one other thing I've done. So I love this about the aging. I think this is my higher power kind of did it to me, led me into it because I didn't plan it. Somehow through a whole bunch of other things that were happening, almost like 18, 20 years ago, I got together with a bunch of women. They're not all 12-step women. They're all spiritual women. They have a spiritual path of some kind or other. And they're my age. And, and they're getting really old. <laughs> it's like, they're really good people, and they have a spiritual life. And so we can share. I can share with my peers about what it is, what it is that we have to deal with as aging people. You know, part of it is losses. I have lots of friends I've become very attached to that have moved away. Or I've had people that I love that have died. So, uh, but it's, it's all of that is part of life. And, um, you know, so it's what I really, it's what I really focus on. So that really counts. Let's see if I have anything else here that I want to share with you. Okay. Oh, body changes. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm shocked. I actually, I can hardly believe it. I really, really, really believed um, that a real, because I heard so many people say it my whole life, it's really hard after you're 60 to lose weight, and you're not going to keep it up. So, but that hasn't proven to be true. But this is the only time in my life it hasn't proven to be true. (laughs) So I'm very grateful for my food plan. Very grateful for it. Is it hard? Yeah, sometimes it's hard. Because in my work hours, sometimes I have to make lunch and dinner. And I usually just include my husband in the dinner and leave his there and go out. Because I work two nights a week. And I bring my lunch and my dinner with me. Is it a lot of work? Yes, it is. (laughs) But I am grateful for it because it's keeping me healthy. So, But in spite of my weight has changed, has stayed the same, my body is shifting. (laughs) <laughs> the weight is rearranging itself into different areas of it, of my body, so uh, I just accept that. And uh, you know, and then I have a philosophy too, as far as body is concerned, of changing what I can. And I ask my higher power for that. What can I change? Do I need to change something in my exercise? Well, what's happening with the exercises? I can't do as much as I did 15 years ago. I've got three minutes left, so um, so I do when I can. You know, and I kind of split it up. And then if I'm really feeling bad, I have arthritis. And sometimes if I have an arthritis flare or something, I'll, I'll kind of like, I'll move back. I won't do as much. But then when I'm feeling better, then I'll see how far I can move forward. But I'm not, I always used to just push myself, push myself. It's like Simon Legree, always pushing myself. I'm beating myself up. It's like, I don't want to do that. So the other thing I'm looking at that are challenges for me ongoing is, well, number one, not pushing myself, paying attention to when I'm tired and stopping and resting. Um, and uh, number two, and I think it's just a, such a deep part of me, is is it acknowledging the need for help. I mean, we do that when we come in here. But I still don't ask my kids to help me with X, Y, and Z. 
And so I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm more, you know, my fallback position is like, they're not doing it, fine, I'll go do it. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to be able to, I can't do that. I can't keep doing that. So I have created scenarios in my mind where, you know, I'm really fall, kind of really falling apart. And I call my children up who think I'm 30 years old. And I call them up and I say, I need your help. And this is what I need it with. And, and so I have to practice that in my mind so when the time comes, I'm willing to do it. So anyway, I am very grateful to be here. And I wish us all the very best as we age and that we just get better and better and better in the spirit and continue to take this beautiful care of ourselves that our program has, offers us the opportunity to do. So thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie. Yes. Okay, the Ask It Basket. I'm not totally sure where it is. Okay, so um, as we mentioned earlier, and we've had a whole bunch of new people come in, we're going to be passing around the Ask It Basket. And feel free to write any questions. It can be specific or general to the group. And when we're done our three presentations, um, we'll have it addressed individually. Okay, our second speaker today is Selma, and uh, let's welcome Selma. Hi, my name is Selma, and I'm recovering from compulsive overeating. Is this working? I guess it is. You have to hold it pretty close. Well, I'm really happy to see so many people here. I expected about a handful, five or six, because this is not a topic we look forward to. Um, However, I actually love this topic and chose it. I I was asked to speak early on and got a choice of pretty much the whole gamut. And um, I chose this one because I wanted either long-timers or this one. And to me, they, they tie into each other. Because uh, I came into this program 21, at the age of 21, and I will be 60 this year. So to me, I'm aging in the program. And I got a little nervous about speaking when someone said to me, well, they won't, how does, they won't feel like aging applies to you because, you know, you're too young. I, I wasn't looking at my age, but I thought, I feel like I've aged. It's been almost, that's coming up on 40 years in this program. And when I think about it, uh, given that people are living longer and longer and longer, and you can see how healthy and vibrant Maggie is, um, I, I, um, I'm hoping to have another 40 in the program. If I have another 40 years of life, I will have another 40 years in the program. And so I think it's really important to... Well, let me just say, I can share what I have learned and how I've handled, quote, aging in the program and things I need to think about as I go forward. When I came in at the age of 21, I was 55 pounds heavier than I am now. I was bulimic, and I was um, really extremely depressed. Um, I had um, very low self-esteem and all the stuff that you 
comes along with an eating disorder that, um, like I had, which was you know bulimia, binge eating, etc. And I grew up in an extremely dysfunctional home. I'm my parents still live very close to me, and my father's still a practicing alcoholic, so it still impacts my day to day life and day-to-day choices as to how I choose to respond to life stressors and cope, Um, making a choice on it sometimes minute-by-minute, day-by-day basis, not to use food to deal with that kind of um, family dysfunction because our family is very close and we're very involved. Um, So for me, aging in the program, like I said, means that um, I want to continue to work my program. I want to, I'm going to continue to be in Overeaters Anonymous. I took me 14 years to get the 24 years of abstinence that I have right now. So in July, it'll be 38 years that I've attended this program. I, I, when I look back and I, you know, I, all I, I, all I ever wanted was to stop eating because I couldn't stop and I was so miserable. And I eventually got to that place by, you know, keep continually doing what I needed to do, whatever it took, working the tools, um, not, you know, continuing to come back, um, and, and, um, working the steps. The most important thing for me has turned out to be having the right food plan um, because these 12-step programs are designed around addiction. Having an addiction and using that addiction to avoid dealing with pain and life. For me, and you'll hear a lot of people share, they're in all three, you know, five, ten different 12-step programs. They smoke, they drink, they ate, they gambled, they whatever. And for me, my addiction was funneled completely 100% into eating. And so I need a really just as equally strong um, approach to not eating because I need to be able to put that much energy into not eating so that I am you know, clear for me when I'm in my addiction. So what I did was over time, I've been in both all the programs, um, started out with gray sheet, blue sheet, orange sheet, for those of you who have been around that long, um, no food plan, um, sponsoring myself, having, you know, several sponsors, um, and the finally came to settled down into the program that works for me, which is the HOW program, which really is just a structured way to measure food plan. Because um, I need, my, my disease is such that I need to know where the first bite starts. And for example, when I eat my dinner at night, I say to my husband, can I have more after I'm done? And he says, that's all you get for tonight. And it's kind of a joke because I weigh and measure my food. And sometimes, you know, and I look at it and I say, you're kidding me. That's it? That's all I get? And we do this a lot because I want more. I always want more. It's never enough. And the sad reality is it's less than it was a few years ago. And it's even less than it, and it's way less than when I first came in. At the age, I see a lot of heads nodding. And And this is really the part about aging in the program. And this is the part about being honest with myself. 
So at 21, I was able to, it didn't seem like enough at the time. At 21, what I was eating still didn't feel like enough. Why? Because I'm a compulsive overeater and my drug of choice is more. It's not enough. I I want more. I can't stop. That's why I have to weigh and measure. So I know when to stop and I can't, I don't rely on my emotions to, um, or my or my in, inner sense to say that's enough because I want more all the time. So um, over the years, um, I didn't have to exercise that much. Three times a week, that's what they recommend as a minimum. That was good. I was in good shape. My body looked good. I had energy. I was sticky. I could stick to my food plan. I could maintain my weight at a, um, a weight that kind of looks like where I am now, I was, you know, I think I, well, I'm, you know, I won't talk about, <laughs> firm, you know, firmness, but um, so, you know, over time, though, what happened was I had a, um, a goal weight where I felt like I looked good, felt good, and I kept that weight for years. As long as I followed my food plan, that weight really worked for me. But what happened was, And I've been abstinent 24 years, like I said, and I haven't deviated from this food plan in how. So I was weighing the same, but my clothes were getting tighter. And I was weighing the same, but I started getting these rolls. And I, so I was able to say to myself, but I haven't gained any weight. I'm following my food plan. But what I had to be honest with myself about is that my body wasn't burning the calories the way it was at a younger age. My muscles were not what they were at a younger age. And I had to stop and say to myself, your body does not eat the, need the number of calories you are eating. Your body is storing extra calories as fat. And I um, tried... I'm, I tried to tell myself, well, you're getting older. I tried to tell myself, you need to love and accept yourself the way you are, which you do, which I do. But I I couldn't help but feel like I wasn't being honest with myself because I was getting fuller with the food I was eating. I was really not needing as much as I was needing. So my story about aging in the program is being honest with myself about what my body needs to maintain a comfortable body weight and a healthy body weight that's good for me and that I feel good in. And I'm, I'm uh, now seven pounds, probably about seven pounds less than I was to maintain that same size because I didn't want to go up a size in clothes. I didn't want to just say, as I age, I will accept that I will put fat, you know, get add, you know, padding to me. I just felt like being in my disease. It felt like not being honest for me. So part of aging for me is continuing to know that I have to increase my ex. I exercise every day of the week now. And I have a certain amount that I make sure I do both cardio and um, uh, strength training because I want to be healthy. And uh, people, I met someone the other day that said they were going to their father's 95th birthday. The brother... The other, no, 90th birthday, his brother was 95 and the oldest brother was 98. And I said, 
Oh boy. Um, how much, you know, we, I better, we got to really think about if we were preparing for a lot longer life than we used to. Um, so I, um, the other thing that I want to say, because I have five minutes left. Ten. Ten. Okay. So anyway, that's, you know, like what everybody says up here, that's my story, you know, my story and everybody's story is different. And, and along the way, um, I need to, you know, love and accept myself as, uh, that, um, and, and not let myself ruin my day based on what I look like or, you know, where I wish I was um, because I still struggle with that whole body image and I am not my body, I am my body, you know, et cetera. Um, but I think the other big piece that I want to that address that's... Um, important for those of us that are, are in here for the long haul is that, um, what is it, 38 years into the program, going to meetings is not what it was 38 years ago. Uh, working my program is not what it was, you know, self-knowledge, self-exploration is not, doesn't, I don't get the um, the the hits that I used to get when I was first new in the program and everything was new and exciting and answered so many questions and so many ahas and oh my god I can't wait to get to the next meeting can't wait to hear the next speaker because I was just learning and growing and and, and uncovering what my story was because you know when we come in here we we don't come in saying, I know this about me. This is my story. This is what I do. This is what got me here, and this is where I'm going. It's only after a long, you know, looking back, you, you know, I realize, oh, I was eating because of this. I was taught to cope with feelings this way. This is an addiction. If I don't eat this, I won't have cravings. I was able to do It takes time to have put a story together and to put my story together, to put you know, each person's story together. Um, and so since I've been doing this and, and in, for so many years, now I go to meetings for different reason. Now I go to meetings to maintain what I have. Now I go to meetings to um, prevent myself from thinking I'm different and that I don't need this program anymore. I get a little bit scared if I feel like I don't want to go to a meeting I'm tired of going to meetings. I know what they're going to say at the meetings. Thank God I have a, um, a higher self that says that may be the case and you need to get to the meeting because you know that you always feel better after you do. And for me, I always think, why is it that I feel better? What is it that, because I'm not, what is it that happens when I come to a meeting? And it's a sense of safety. I think it's just that sense of I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to relapse. I'm not going to binge today because I got some insurance. I got I fueled myself with this re, this part of my recovery. And so I know I I um I'm I mean I know that that's what I do. I don't want to go or I, I I have reasons not to. And so I prepare myself for that too and I say to myself, how am I going to do this for another 30, 40 years? And and I say you're going to do what you've always done. You get up, you put one foot in front of the other, and you go to your meetings, and you have your regular meetings, and you do service, and you talk to newcomers, and you sponsor, and you do what you need to do to not just uh, 
be in the program, but to be a part of the program. And when I retire in a few years, I'll get back involved in higher levels of service for my insurance to make sure I stay involved um, at a level where I don't ever have to take another compulsive bite again because I am scared to death of that happening. So I see that, you know, for me it's two-pronged. It's, you know, how am I being honest and insightful and um, aware about what I'm eating and maintaining a healthy body weight and being healthy with, you know, incorporating the exercise, but also keeping my program healthy and strong and vibrant and um, and being prepared, like I said, to take it all the way to the end. Um, I had a sponsor in here, a beloved sponsor, everyone that knew her loved her. She died of cancer, but on her deathbed, she was still frustrated that she'd gained weight during this cancer, you know, train, uh, process. And it, the disease never leaves. It never leaves. Because, you know, every once in a while we entertain that idea. If I was dying and it was my last day, would I have, you know? And what I've seen is that, you no, know, you hold on to this, you know, sense of pride that we have for doing what we're doing to take care of ourselves. So, um yeah, that's why I'm here this weekend, and that's why I'm speaking, because I I just want to just say I'm really, really grateful for this program. And I'm really great to see that, I mean, really glad to see all these people here who plan to continue to age in the program. Thank you. Okay, so uh, just a quick follow-up. We've got the Ask It Basket going around. And you know what's really cool about being moderator? You won't believe this. I'm in control. So I, this is a suggestion. Anybody that would like to stand up for 30 seconds and stretch, please do. And if you don't want to, you don't have to, although I am watching. Okay, so it looks like everybody has had a nice little stretch break. And I see the Ask It Basket going around. And for those of you that are new that just dropped in, if you put questions in the basket, um, what we're going to do is as soon as we finish with our third speaker, which is Dave, uh, we're going to go through the questions one at a time. And uh, let me just see how much distance I have on this one. I've got enough. So what we're going to do, you can all just stay seated afterwards, and I'll ask the questions and just hand you the mic so we're not running up and down, up and down. So our third speaker is Dave. Let's welcome Dave. Now I'm going to put you to sleep. No. I hope not. 
my name is Dave. I'm a compulsive reader. That's why I'm here. Hi, and uh, I was, uh, I'm, I, only thing I can do is tell you my experience, strength, and hope. I'm not here to teach anything. Uh, so I was born Robert Lee Henderson. That was my name. And, uh, and I was born to Mamie Alexio and Chief Robert Lee Henderson of the United States Navy in 1944, May the 22nd. So... Uh, you do the math, but I think I'm 72. <laughs> and I was adopted at two years old by <clears throat> Albert and Dorothy Elizabeth Burge, my mother and father. May they both rest in peace, and they are. And uh, I remember when they adopted me, I had to sleep with the lights on. It happens to adopted kids, I, I understand, from talking to other adopted kids, because I was afraid of the dark, and I came to Overeaters Anonymous at 32 years old, uh, afraid of the dark. You never know. I would never tell you that, though, because I was a man. Men aren't supposed to be afraid of anything. Men aren't supposed to a lot of things, but we do, and we feel. So uh, my my mother, uh, I was I was always feeling sorry for myself and crying, so my mother would give me something to comfort me. And I'm sure we can all identify with that. Uh, and I, I was, I wrote down here, uh, I actually was the first kid on my block to get my award from, uh, Deputy Dave, who was on TV, that, and I, I got my little badge, Clean Your Plate Club. <laughs> Mother had to sign it, and I got it. So, uh, when I came in the program, they said, we eat because of what's eating us. That was something new. I didn't know there. I didn't know. I'm a man. I didn't know there was something eating me. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel too much. So uh, I, I have my journey uh, with diets and pills and shots. When I worked for a man named Pat Akins up in Los Angeles on his racing car, I was a mechanic, and uh, and he went. He recommended because I was too fat at 21 that I go see Dr. Stanley Z. Gilbert, and I stood in line with all the women. There was no men there. And he'd rented a house in Azusa, California, and I got my diet pills and my shots, you know. And I did that for a while, and I lost all my weight, and I went down to see my mother, and she said, David, what's happened to you? How'd you lose all that weight? I said, well, go to this doctor gives me pills and shots. Mother wasn't very supportive. She said, that's not good for you. Mother's always right. So so uh, after that, after I went to the bowling alley and, and uh, uh, this uh, – Judy Radinsky, who I, I just thought was uh, just amazingly beautiful, but I would never approach her because I was a fat guy. She came up to me when I weighed 190 pounds. She says, Dave Burge, you look wonderful. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. I, went, I did the only thing I could do. I went to the 7-Eleven, got something to eat, you know, and that was the end of my 190 pounds. So uh, long, some time passed, and uh, and I started to feel remorseful about being obese so I went to uh, my health provider and I uh, and I, they sent me to Dr. Marijanian who's retired <laughs> and and I said I heard about this stomach bypass surgery you know this is before I came to OA I want that I pay $64.95 a month for health insurance I demand that bypass surgery <laughs> and she said well you're not sick enough she says I think uh, she says, go on this food plan, ADA food plan, whatever it was. And I went on it, lost weight. And then at Christmas time, the guys in the shop said, 
oh, come on, have something to eat, you know. And so we're going to go on the diet Monday, and Monday never happened. So I ended up there, and I had figured out by the second time I went to see Dr. Mary Janian, I says, i got to be crazy because anybody that eats like I do, there's something wrong with me. I need a psychologist or something, a psychiatrist. And she said, well, I don't think you're crazy, but I just think you need a support group. So she offered me Overeaters Anonymous or Weight Watchers. I said, what's the difference? She says, I don't know too much about it, but Weight Watchers cost money and Overeaters Anonymous doesn't. <laughs> Does anybody know why I'm here? And, uh, so I went to my meeting and I met Ida there in 1976. And Ida was a little skinny woman leading the meeting. And I very rudely turned around to the next woman, person standing next to me. And I said, why is that skinny woman ta- telling us how to lose weight? And she showed me her picture at 322 pounds. I immediately became an Ida fan. She didn't drive, and I took her everywhere to meetings and everything because I wanted what she had, as you, as you know. And I weighed over 300 pounds when I got there. Uh, well, moving ahead, uh, I went on the gray sheet, too, and I lost 130 pounds in a year. And I raced Helen, my sponsor, and I beat her to goal weight, you know, which is rather dubious distinction of mine. And, and, uh, and, I, and I had serious uh, physical problems as a result of that because you shouldn't lose weight that fast, as you all know. But, you know, old Dave, he's got to – got to do everything in a hurry. That's my problem, you know. Don't, you don't age gracefully when you do that. So, uh, so my, you know, everything changed when I went to Overeaters Anonymous. I started washing the dishes. I started helping out around the house. And, it, and, and, and there was no men in the program to speak of then, and so a lot of women called me. I had to make phone calls. They said, make three phone calls a day. I made a lot of phone calls because I was hungry. And so that upset, of course, that, that, that has an effect on your spouse. So uh, I, I ended up being divorced, and, and my divorce paper said, respondent suffers severe personality change as a result of the involvement in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. And my sponsor, I was crying, and my sponsor said, thank God you suffered a personality change. So I met this guy named Pete Peterson, alcoholic. Sometimes alcoholics come to our program because they, they're sober, but they have a, another addiction that happens to them. And so Pete is one of those kind of guys. I call him up every year and thank him for saving me because he saved my life. And he was divorced, too. <laughs> Can you imagine that, an alcoholic getting divorced? Anyway, he, uh, so we were, so we got an apartment, and 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 now I was always very materialistic. Uh, uh, that's, that's who I was, you know. And so uh, uh, we had no furniture, we had nothing in the apartment. We just had the apartment, and I was crying, and I said, "How are we gonna? We don't have any furniture. We don't have a TV set. What are we gonna?" He says, "God's gonna provide all those things." I said, "Oh, there we go." And he, drew, he had this old LTD Ford, and he drove it. He'd, he'd pick up these. Now, this is me where I was now. Don't get mad at me. He'd pick up these big, overweight women that wore moo-moos and take them to a meeting. They weren't even good-looking to me, you know. I said, why the hell are you doing this? He says, I don't want to get drunk. I learned the program from Pete Peterson, an alcoholic. And when I get depressed, he'd take me down to dry dock, and I'd get to see what the alcoholics were like. That didn't couldn't go home, couldn't go in. They'd say, "Thank God, there's Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a place to go." And I began to realize how what Overeaters Anonymous really was. So uh, I get off on this stuff. So uh, I have a lot of notes because I don't want to forget anything. So uh, the speed bumps 
in my life were uh, I, I remarried again. And and uh, and in 2000, and speeding up a little bit, uh, my my wife was. I married an alcoholic. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I can. And, and a wonderful person, really great. And I and I went to another program. I'm sorry, but it's part of my story. Al-Anon saved my ass. That's the truth. And I went I went to Al-Anon because she was drinking and quote unquote she was ruining my life. And I went to Al-Anon, and they taught me, no, I'm ruining my life. It's, it's on you. you know. And I realized that she hated her alcoholism more than I did. That's just what I learned in Al-Anon. And Al-Anon got me back to Overeaters Anonymous at 286 pounds because she was a great cook, and I stayed home. And she said, you, you, love, you love Overeaters Anonymous, you love the retreat committee, you love the youth group, and then you love me. I bought it all. You know? So I stayed home and ate. That's what I did. And I threw my program away. And, and, you know, I still went to meetings, but I sat in the back of the room feeling a lot of shame. And, and finally a guy got a hold of me and he says, you know, uh, why, why don't you just try abstaining one day at a time? I said, I can't. He said, well, you're the guy that used to tell everybody that when you were thin. They say, what am I going to do, Dave? I, I'm eating. I said, well, just don't eat one day at a time. I couldn't do it. So Pete Peterson taught me uh, that God had to come first, and uh, and we and we did the steps together. And he, and he, if he had to sit there and and uh, with me in the restaurant, I wouldn't have probably wrote my inventory, you know, because I needed somebody to sit with me and write. So, uh, you know, that that the speed bumps, you know, that happened uh, to me when I was thinking about this was. Uh, and in 2000, my wife got sober. She was almost sober five years. And our, October the 1st of uh, 2014, uh, she died. Ten minutes. And uh, and I didn't expect that to happen. I thought she went in the hospital to get better. But, but as a result of the disease, it just took, it took, you know, she got worse and everything happened. And that that was when things really turned, you know, that's a speed bump. Well, what happened because of the program was uh, somehow and uh, this, this survival thing that we have in here kicked in, you know. And a young guy named Rick, who's a therapist, says, and he's a wonderful young man, he says, you know what you need to do? You need to go to, you need to, you need to, go to grief counseling, and you need to go get counseling. You need to get all the help you, you can get, you know. And, uh, and I said, uh, I don't need that. I've been in the program 30-something years. I don't need that kind of stuff, you know. And I got by myself, and I said, boy, you do. And so I went to, I got counseling, I got the whole thing. I went, went to the grief recovery group. And, uh, you know, they, somebody said to me uh, years ago, uh, how do you feel, Dave? I think Pete did. And I said, well, you know, I just, you know, you got in touch with your feelings, you know. I said, well, I just feel bad. And he said, well, you know, bad's not a feeling. Can you be a little more vague, you know. <laughs> so, uh so I think <clears throat> I learned in this program that I went to a retreat. I think I was about three years in the program. And I started to cry. I didn't know why. And I cried all night. And it was that cathartic thing that happens to some of us. Uh, and some people, I know a lot of guys that I, that I sponsor that can't cry. They never cried. You know, somebody shut them down a long time ago. 
And and I, I remember telling these people, at the, these women at the retreat, saying, this is wonderful. I said, wonderful, I'm going crazy. Look at me, I'm falling apart. She goes, no, you're growing. You know, I, I, I understand what that means now. I didn't at the time. So... Uh, so when when that happened, I, I I went to counseling, and there was some woman that I got for a counselor at Kaiser, and she was she must have been 20 years old. She couldn't be, but she wasn't much older than 20 something years old, and she she listened to me, and I went through her box of Kleenex, and and at the end of the thing, she told me what you guys tell me, Dave. You just need to be patient with yourself, and so. Uh, it's 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 tough to start life over again at 71, but I did it, and I learned that uh, what 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 I probably heard here so many times. You know, you don't get over things; you just carry on. You just carry on. So uh, that's you know. Then uh, you know I've I've always been attending. Uh, some sometime when I started to back into my recovery. Uh, it came to me that uh, I needed to go to more step study meetings. You know, the participation meetings just weren't cutting it for me. So one of the ladies said, that's really true. The meetings are different now, you know. And so uh, as I got into that, uh, I asked a friend of mine who I 12-stepped a long time ago. I, he, he was unhappy, and I said, well, why don't we start a step study meeting? So we did. We started one in 1999, and I attend that. So, so some of the things to, that I do... Uh, in retirement, because I want to get to the subject, uh, and uh, is I'm, you know, when I retired, I was afraid uh, that I wouldn't have enough money, and I was I was afraid I wouldn't have anything to do, and you probably hear this from a lot of people. I have more stuff going on now, and I make more money than I've ever. It's just ridiculous how how you know, but it's how God works, and. Uh, and I, you know, I sponsor people. I have a sponsor. My sponsor is 95. I think he's on 95, 94, 95, something like that. You know? And uh, he, he, I, he's been my friend for years, and he's very frank with me. You know, you know, he says, "Are you writing, Dave?" A few years, 10, 12 years ago, I said, "No, I don't write anymore. I've been, been hanging around here for 20 years." He says, "Start writing." You know? Well, I wrote to what I wanted to say about journaling and how it helps me is I wrote all through my experience with my being a caregiver for my wife all the way through past her death, and up, I still write. And, and the value that I've wanted to share with people is uh, I can see how far I've come. You know, when I, when I was uh, three years in the program, I was suicidal. I read that in the AA book. That happens to a lot of alcoholics, too, because I, I lost all this weight and everything. I was still getting a gas and electric bill. You know, not, you know, I wasn't happy, and 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 Doctor Woods told me after listening to me for six months, I said, "Well, you still haven't told me. Thank you. How, what's wrong with me?" He says, "Well, that's your that's your thing to do. You're supposed to figure out if there's anything wrong with you at all. What it is. I'm not here to do that." He says, "I do see three things. One, you think you're supposed to be happy all the time, or something's wrong. Number two, you don't see how far you've come." And three, you look at it. You look at life through a very narrow lens. You don't look at the whole picture. That's still that's still good for me to evaluate myself with today. So, uh, I, I, my sponsor told me. Uh, one of my sponsors told me. He says, "Why don't you tr- you know quit trying to be so perfect, and try just being ninety percent accurate with your food." 
That's amazing, you know, something really simple like that. Because I'm a perfectionist, you know. And uh, I, I hate, you know, I don't hate to admit it. I used to, uh, no, I'm not a perfectionist. How could anybody as inferior feeling as I am be a perfectionist? <laughs> oh, yeah? So, you know, I serve, you know, some of the things I do for me is I do service in the program. And I and I, I try to keep quiet about it, but it's worth saying. You know, I go to... I, I secretary a meeting. Uh, I wrote the, some of these things down. I'm on the hotline. You can call me anytime. Any, uh, I, you know, and uh, I'm on. I help the lady with the literature. You know, I, I buy the literature, and, and uh, I'm a meeting secretary. Uh, and uh, and one of the things I find really gratifying is I as I donate blood. So, you know, I, I one of my amends to Phil Stevens was he was a hemophiliac. Uh, he's always wanted people to to uh, donate blood, you know, because he needed he needed blood, you know. So uh, Phil passed when he was 44 years old. He lived a lot longer than he than he was. <clears throat> the doctor said he would. So I was thinking, Phil, I, I I screwed him out of a car engine, you know. I sold him a bad engine, you know. I told him it was a great engine. One of one of the things comes up, you know. So. Uh, that's one of the things I do. And, and, you know, some of the great things about being older to me is I'm a grandpa. And I'm a great-grandpa. I have great, I have a little great-grandson that just digs the hell out of me. And it just brings me so much joy. You know, like, like somebody said before. Uh, and looking how, at how far I've come. And uh, I think that I've talked about enough, but uh, my life is just amazing and... I think that uh, what I've come from, what I've learned in, in, in these rooms and from counseling and everything else is uh, I'm not going to be happy all the time, but life's a continuous cycle of pain, growth, and joy. And I didn't like hearing that when I heard that. I, I don't know where I heard that. But, you know, I can't, I can't experience life unless I go through that cycle. Uh, my wife died. It was painful. I grew through it. I went to all, did all the stuff. I took care of myself. I meditated more. I took, I went and sat in my jacuzzi and and meditated. I went to, I went to more meetings. I did everything I could to take care of myself. I walk every, I'm like, I walk every day. There's no reason why I can't walk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And it, and it, it helps my blood pressure, everything. It, 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 when I don't walk, I feel lethargic, you know. So it's part of my life. It's a part of my abstinence. And, and, uh. So that's uh, you know that's that's what happens with Dave you know uh, and and the joy is he's not going to like this I, I was planning on living the rest of my life with my dog you know my plan right you know I, I I've been married twice you know I don't need, you know I don't I don't need to go through that anymore and I've known this woman in the program I've admired her she's gorgeous I think and we've always I've always we teased with each other. And we said, you know, one of these days, and I've known her for 30-something years, we're going to, I would say this, she didn't say this, I, we're going to have a hot, steamy romance in the next life. <laughs> I, she might be in the room, I hope. <laughs> but she came up to me five months after my wife passed away, and she says, and she sent me a beautiful card, and, and, and a bereavement card and everything, and then I I thought, well, that's really sweet. And she said, well, if you want to talk, call me. And I, I don't think I, I might have called her. I don't remember. And and then I saw her at, at fellowship lunch after the meeting. And she said, well, she was another lady. 
and she said, uh, you know, you're not married anymore. We used to do this all the time. I said, well, yeah. and she said, well, but you're married, Dave. And I said, well, and so are you. And we'd laugh and leave, you know, just, and that nothing, you know, we were, we, we were friends. And uh, so this time she said, you're not married anymore. I said, yeah. but you are. She said, no, I'm not. I got divorced seven years ago, and I've taken you out on a test date, and my time is over. <laughs> so that story continues. Thank you very much. Perfect timing. Yeah, that would not be good. Oh, that's so funny. Well, was that perfect timing or what? Well, I would like to thank you three for incredible experience, strength, and hope. Thank you. Well, it's not over yet. We are now going to the basket with the questions. And if you could hand that up to me. Oh, no, that's great. Perfect. And what we're going to do right now to, to finish it off, and how much time do we have left in this session? We have 10 minutes. 10 minutes, okay. So that's going to be perfect. So we'll get a couple of questions. And what I'll do is I'll read the question, and then I'm going to bring the mic down and pass it to you so you don't have to run up and down. And the first question, how do you deal with limits of driving and getting to your meetings? Okay, I'm the oldest one, so I guess that applies the best. Oh, dear. Limits of driving. I haven't limited myself that much. I hate to admit it. Um, I, I don't go to San Francisco anymore, but, but, but I drive to work four days a week. And my husband and I, my husband's health is not so great. He's got terrible arthritis. So, but... Sometimes we don't know our own limits. We we just took a two week a two week vacation and drove seventeen hundred miles and we shared it about fifty fifty. I came home, I was like so exhausted I couldn't believe it. So um, when I, I I guess I need to think about doing that. Yeah, <laughs> my driving, but that doesn't seem to be any reason for it yet. I was like, but I, one thing I will limit is any more seventeen hundred mile drives. No more. Yeah. Anyone else? Ask the next person. Okay. I just want to say, if I reach that point, I, I think what I'll do is um, ask to have a meeting in my own home. Um, yeah. And we have something what, um, which is official. I mean, we have what's called the Sunshine Club, which is if anybody is sick or ill or homebound, that um, they can ask to have a meeting brought to their home. But I think that... Um, my program isn't optional, so if I can't get to meetings, I'm going to try to find a way to bring the meeting to me. That's just I'm just putting that out there, and not to mention the phone meetings and the podcasts and et cetera, et cetera, and asking for rides. Okay, what I'm doing, I'm just quickly going through because there's some uh, repetitious questions, and one that I've got about three or four on is how are you dealing with the fact that you can't eat what you used to eat. And I know you did address part of it, but uh, if the other people could talk to the fact that you need less calories to live. Okay, one of the things I'm noticing, <laughs> I'm not as hungry as I used to be. 
that's a gift. I mean, like, thank you, God. <laughs> you know, I, I think I could probably do with less than what I'm having right now. But, you know, I'll deal with it. Any, any more? <laughs> I think that's something that that's what we use sponsors for. Um, is to talk about our feelings and our frustrations, our challenges, um, the resistance, the and to help have our thinking re, re, reshaped, reframed, to look at, well, I may be giving this up, but what am I getting in return? Because, you know, our own thinking got us where we are, so it's really helpful to have someone else um, be in on, you know, the inner world. Dave again, uh, I you know that's a good question, and I think from my experience, uh, the the obsession working the steps over a period of time for me, the obsession has been mostly removed most of the time, and so it, you know the food is not a big deal like it used to be. I don't you know I don't have the the obsession or the you know, and it's probably because I, to some degree, I've quieted down a lot. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just my mind isn't racing all the time, and I'm, I'm, you know, not in a hurry as much as I used to be. And I'm still working on that. Thanks. Okay, this one is directed at uh, Maggie. How in the world can you look so awesome at 81? <laughs> <laughs> Meaningful. I try and take care of myself. I really do. I, I, I still have some vanity. I know it's vanity. You know, so it's okay. I buy makeup. I, I, I try to look around, and I have lots of fun, you know, picking out clothes. I don't spend a lot of money on them. I go to consignment stores. I just have fun with it. It's okay. We can all do that. <laughs> And this was directed to Selma. Um, has, <clears throat> let's see, uh, how has your program helped you with your aging issues? I think um, the the first thing that just came to my mind is uh, the serenity prayer. I think we have so many um, slogans in our program um, and um, I'll tell you what else is meditation has, is really helping me a lot. Um, but the serenity prayer is the first thing I go to when I ask myself, what can I change, what can't I change, and what do I need help accepting? And then really, really, I've really, um, um, I get up at 5 o'clock every morning to, and I meditate. I, have some, I do some exercise and I do some writing. And at that time, it's just become sacred to me. And I, I think like... Um, Bill was saying, you know, it helps with the calming down of the mind and um, the acceptance. You know, I oh, I heard one thing, and I'll stop. But I love this that rather than trying to accept something, try to allow it. Okay. And how much time do we have left? We have four minutes. Okay. And this one is how is. The concept, I am too old to change, false based on your experience. Yes. I am too old to change. What is your experience? It's just a thought. 
don't believe all your thoughts. You, we can change right up to the day we die. We can change our mind. We can change our attitudes. We may not be able to change our health condition if we have a horrible health condition or something. But we can always be the best we can be, and that's change. And we can do it with God's help. Okay, and now, now this one, this one is where, is where it's down to the last minute. It wouldn't be a great presentation if we didn't involve sex. Woo! Woo! With respect to your sexuality, how have you dealt with the changes, especially with your partners, assuming you have multiple partners? Oh, my God. I, I've been married 61 years to the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today at 82, I don't have a really active sex life. So at the, at, and there, there was a grieving period around that. But, you know, right now I've, I'm all grieved out. I'm fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we're, we're really affectionate and loving to one. Lots of hugs and kisses, lots of emotional intimacy. I'm fine. It's okay. I had a good time while it lasted. <laughs> And I defer to the serenity prayer again, accept the things you cannot change (laughs) and change the things you can, but really acceptance about how the body changes, the drive changes, um, the differences between the drives, shall we say, just everything, but it's really being at peace with oneself. I don't know what to say other than it, yeah, it, it bought the, I'll just say my body changed <laughs> and, uh, but I, I still, uh, have sexual feelings and, and, uh, a lot of passion and, and love and, and, uh, sex to me isn't, uh, as big a deal as it was when I was younger. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Not all bad. <laughs> Well, I would, uh, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. This has been a wonderful session. And one last round of applause for our speakers. So in ending, if we could all stand, stretch, and somehow connect uh, in the form of a circle or multiple circles. And we're going to close with, I put my hand in yours.